Hello and welcome to the St. Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. The reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abinadab, Abinadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of uh, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abinajah. Sorry, Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Isaiah. Isaiah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubel, Zerubel the father of uh, Abidad, sorry, Abiyadad, sorry, even I can't trip over it, and I read it this morning to check. Abiyadad the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliad, Eliad the father of Elias. Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Christ. This is God's word. Oh, some of you are sitting there thinking, thank you, Lord, I didn't get asked to do the reading today. <laughs> Let's pray for Joel as he comes to speak and repeat all those names to us off the top of his head. Father, thank you for Joel, Lord. Uh, just pray, Lord, you would uh, speak through him this morning. Thank you for the words you've placed on his heart. Lord, would you open our hearts and our ears to hear from you, Lord, that we might be changed more and more into your likeness. Amen. 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 Well, what a, what a reading. Thank you very much, Jess. I'm glad I didn't have to do that one myself. What a list of names. Anyone thinking of baby names, nieces, nephews, feel free to send them that reading. Um, it's great to kick off our series, The Light Has Come. Uh, the Light Is Coming is the title of our talk. It's almost like we're doing an Advent talk before the Advent talks. Um, and it's an introduction to the season of Advent. Now, 
What I want to start with is a confession, um, because I've often found this time of year a little bit confusing. Um, for instance, and don't judge me, I never knew the date of Christmas Day for a very long time. I know an ordained minister in the Church of England didn't know Jesus' birthday, travesty. But it's because, it, it's logical, it's because every time, you know you used to get the TV guide, I don't know if you still get a printed TV guide in your paper, I don't anymore, but when my parents used to buy the paper, it'd come with a TV guide, and you'd open it up, and it would go like the days of the week with the dates, of, and you could see what was on the glorious Christmas buffet of TV. Uh, but the problem for me was, it always said, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. It never had the dates, it didn't have the day, so you just entered this time not knowing what day of the week it was, or what date it was. Now, I am now a 35-year-old man, so I have decided it was about time I learnt that Christmas Day is the 25th of December. I do know it. I never missed out on Christmas, I just found it confusing what day it was actually on. And it's not just that. So 12 days of Christmas as well. So 12 days of Christmas, I thought, logically, 12 days of Christmas would be like up to Christmas, and then it's celebrated with Christmas at the end of it. But the 12 days of Christmas, I don't know if you, you're probably all looking at me like, this is all so stupid, you should have known this. But anyway, 12 days of Christmas is Christmas Day, and the 12 days afterwards. I didn't know that. Um, also, while we're on it, 184 birds is too many birds to buy for one person. No matter if they're true, your true love or not, they don't need 184 birds. Um, but that's a tangent we don't need to go into of the 12 days of Christmas. Final one is Advent. Um, I don't know if you've been around church for a long time and you've known about Advent or whether you just know it as the chocolates you get for 24 or 25 days, depending on your Advent calendar, or 23 if you've got a Tony's Chocolonies ones because they deliberately remove one to teach you about poverty in the world. It's heartbreaking if you get one of those. But um, again, another tangent. It's not what you need. Advent uh, is a concept that I, I don't know if you think about the rest of the year. I don't know if you use the word Advent any other time other than this time of year. It's an alien word to some people, uh, including when my now seven-year-old was kind of first introduced to Advent calendars. He was like, I don't understand what this word was. So he referred to them as Allen calendars. Yeah, Allen calendars, which I think is a wonderful concept. You know, open up day number one. Oh, Alan Titchmarsh. Oh, day number two. Oh, oh, it's Alan Shearer. Day number three, Alan Carr. Oh, I, I won't go on. It's not, we don't need 25 Allens. Or maybe it's just a, a, a calendar full of different size Allen keys. You know, just open a door. Oh, this one's for the sofa. Oh, this one's for my bike. You know, different Allen keys. Uh, it is, if, if you, like me, at some point have been confused at this time of year, what is Advent actually about? Maybe you've not been a Christ Christian for a long period of time, so you don't know what the difference is, uh, how we celebrate it, how we mark it differently. Um, so don't worry. Um, everyone who knows me well knows I love a good word and I love to find the meanings of words. So I, I went back and I found that Advent comes from the Latin uh, ad, meaning to, and veneer, meaning come, so to come, which then evolved into Adventus, which meant arrival. So quite simply, an Advent 
calendar at the Advent season is the counting down of the days, waiting for something to come. The marking of days until something arrives. It is a time of waiting, a time of anticipation. Advent uh, isn't a story about what we can do, though. Uh, we talk about the light has come, the light is coming. We're talking about Jesus, and uh, it's not something that is a story of uh, the power of the human spirit to overcome every challenge. It's not about humanity realizing its dire mistakes and repenting. Uh, it, Advent is the opposite of those things. It's the story uh, of God interrupting history a long-awaited interruption to love and heal and save us, showing us that we're not strong enough to win the day, but that he is. Advent reveals the true burning desire of God, his pursuing heart and his long-awaited plan to meet us exactly where we are. In this story, in this time of Advent, our role is nothing more than to receive the magnitude of this loving invitation and give our yes as a response. So, over the next few weeks, as we journey through Advent as a church, we will be reflecting on how Jesus came into the world, how the light came to earth. And we will be doing so in three ways. We will be doing so with anticipation, with attention, and with application. So we'll start by talking about anticipation. Um, I don't know if you've noticed the themes of light uh, from 2,000 years ago to now are very different. When we talk about light now, if we want a light, we can go to our phone and turn on the torch or just the light from our phone will illuminate quite a lot uh, or we switch on a light or if you went outside you might see cars or street lights uh, or other people's house lights one day we might be able to see a beacon of light shining from this tower at all times to illuminate to let people know the light has come but when they talked about light 2000 years ago it was very different to the instantaneous light that we can receive now. There's a difference about light. Because if it was dark 2,000 years ago, you had two options. One option was to wait. You would wait until the sun rose. That was it. That was your only option. If it's dark, you just had to wait until the sun comes up. And the other option was that you... Uh, had to prepare. You had to be prepared for the darkness by gathering the resources, by um, being able to light those resources so that they made a flame or a candle or a light of some format. And so that idea of light is the kind of light that I'm thinking about in this season. Not an instant switch. It's a time for waiting. It's not a depressive time, we're not all just wandering around in a daze, but it's a time, a season where we're anticipating God coming in Jesus. We're anticipating that light that is to come. 
And so I wonder, um, in this season, if there's something within you, uh, where there's something, you don't have to come up and tell me, but there's something in you, in this season, that you're holding that feels like it's in darkness. Is there something that you're waiting to happen? It might be something personal, it might be something health-related, it might be your job. It might be that you've tried church or that you're coming along for the first time and you're not really sure who this Jesus we talk about is and we're not really sure whether you've really fully got it yet. But in this season, what we want to be doing is anticipating the light of Christ to come into the world anticipating that God can move in those dark areas in our life, that God can help us, that we can be healed, that we can um, experience the presence of God, that our job situation can change, that our relationship, relationship situations can change. So we are waiting, we are waiting with anticipation that God is a God who still moves today. So that's anticipation. The next thing I want to think about is attention. I don't know if when Jesse started reading, you went, it's a genealogy, switch. That's what we can sometimes do when reading the Bible, isn't it? We can get to that section where it goes, oh, it's another genealogy. It's quite a lot of genealogies in the Bible. Um, you know, quite a lot of numbering of peoples. Um, and you would, there's no shame in, in admitting that sometimes you can get to those patches in the Bible and go, boring, skip. Or just be like, I'll just read through this list of names and I'll get on with it, but it has no impact in our lives. I don't know if you think about genealogies generally. I don't think about, I, I, other than reading the Bible, I've never thought about a genealogy or my ancestors at all. But recently, something um, has changed my perspective on genealogies and it keyed into my thinking about why we draw attention to particular things at this time of year. And that is because, just coincidentally, I've read a book, watched a film uh, and a documentary about the history of slaves in America, the African Americans who live in America now um, for a long time have had almost no idea where they come from. They just know one thing, and that is their identity. What brought them to America was slavery. So their identity, their genealogy, only goes back as far as I'm a slave. And it is in recent times um, that because of DNA testing that those people are able, with great pain, but with some relief, to know where they come from where they were before they were a slave. But their history, their ancestry, is on a large part lost. They could have been rulers, they could have been queens, they could have been shepherds, they could have been warriors. They just don't know. And it's part of their identity that is painful. So it made me think, Actually, in a genealogy, identity is important. 
And also, the more I read the Bible, the more I realize that there really aren't any accidental parts. They're not like, oh, we're just logged in a content section. Like, it's all deliberate. There's an intention behind everything. We just have to draw our attention to it. And what I wanted to focus on was the part that the reading made us slightly specifically focus on because there's people who are mentioned three times instead of just once in all of that genealogy. And they were Abraham and David. And the reason I want to focus on them is because Jesus is at the end of this genealogy. So what significance does Jesus at the end of this genealogy have to the people who are repeatedly mentioned in it? And they are Abraham and David. And very simply, um, we've done longer sermons on Abraham. Go back and listen to them if you want. But very simply, Abraham was promised that his descendants would be the nations. Abraham was promised that his people would be a blessing to the nations. And in Jesus, we have the person who was the fulfillment of that promise. Not because he went out and made descendants, but because he drew us all into one family. Not because um, he uh, became a ruler overall, but because he embodied how to be a blessing to all people at all times, in all places. And David. David was a king, and he was promised that in his lineage there would be a king who would rule over all. A king above all kings. And you might think that that would be a king who was very um, handsome and very talented with a sword and was great in leading people into battle and conquered all the nations. But Jesus ruled. Jesus was a king in a completely countercultural way, in a way that people couldn't expect. But what I wanted to draw our attention in on is that this happens um, throughout scripture and it's really great that at this time of year we're saying the light has come and we're spending our time drawing our attention into the story of Jesus and why it's so significant that he came and why all of these things, even genealogies, key into the identity of who Jesus was and how significant he was. So we are anticipating, we're drawing our attention in, and we are using application. That's not a word I often use either, but um, we, we don't want to just spend Christmas and Advent going, you know, we're excited about the coming of Jesus, and we're drawing our attention into the details of the Bible story and really placing the significance of Jesus right front and center. But then... New Year happens, we've eaten a lot of Christmas presents, we've eaten a lot of Christmas presents, we've eaten a lot of food, we've had our Christmas presents, and we move on with our lives. That's not what we want. We want to anticipate the coming of Jesus. We want to uh, draw attention to the story, and we want it to have application to our lives. We want the story of Jesus to come afresh in our lives uh, and move us uh, in ways that it hasn't before. Uh, and for the application, I wanted uh, to continue to reflect on that genealogy. Because um, we do have 
Abraham, the father of the nations, and David, who is a royal king. Um, but within that genealogy, um, we have um, a lot of other characters. We have some rulers, yeah, we have some prophets, we have some wise people. Um, we have also um, four women, which at the time was not the type of people who you'd use in your genealogy. Um, and among those women, we have one prostitute and one who pretended she was a prostitute. And then we have all kinds of liars and thieves and people who just did the wrong thing all of the time. And I think um, that the significance of this story is because they were included. Because you might be someone who's a business leader, you might have a great job, you might have a healthy family, but you also, you might um, have no place in society. You might feel like you don't matter. You might feel like you're not significant. You might feel like one of those other characters in the story. But they're all included. They're all included in Jesus's family line. And I think that shows us a clear message, and that is that we are all part of Jesus's story. And the only thing that limits us from being part of Jesus's story is ourselves. I saw a great tweet this week. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but it really... Um, gave me some balm at the very least and it said when God called you he factored your stupidity into your calling <laughs> very reassuring but it, as much as it's a funny line there's a huge amount of significance in it we're the ones who think that we're not good enough we're the ones who think that we're not ready to tell our friends about Jesus because we barely know him ourselves. We're the ones who hold us back, not Jesus. Jesus is saying, you're part of this. You're part of my family. You're part of my story. You're part of that blessing to the nations. You're part of those people who rule in ways that we just could not expect. So we want to anticipate the coming of Jesus. We want to draw our attention in and we want to have an application for these stories to our lives. And maybe um, the wordier version of that got you in, uh, but for just one last minute, I want to um, take the application and use a story from my life where I've seen the approach I want us to launch into Advent with. And that is, uh, last year we were on a holiday to Milton Keynes. I know, shocking. We basically had a stop off a couple of nights in a hotel that had a swimming pool because it was a heat wave, it was very hot, and we thought if it's got a swimming pool, we'd go in there and cool down. Turns out it was a heated pool. Anyway, when we went swimming, we're not very good at taking our children to like swimming lessons, so we haven't done that yet. So we got all the kit. We got armbands, we got goggles, we got um, those caps, everything, everything ready. Swim shorts. We were ready to swim. Um, and my two children took two very different approaches. Uh, one with which 
um, you might resonate with and one with which you might resonate with. Either way, both are how I want us to try and take this Advent season on. This is my eldest, Ezra. He's um, seven. He's uh, sensitive. He feels his emotions. He's a bit like me, really. He's very touchy-feely, very like heart on his sleeve. He'll, he'll tell you how he's feeling. Um, and he approached swimming, armbands on, goggles on, very tentative, getting into the pool, very like apprehensive, will I drown, you know, very thoughtful, very conscientious. Uh, he got into it, but he approached it slowly. But what he did is he went for it. He didn't say, nope, I'm not getting in the pool. I'm just going to sit and watch you. He went for it. He, he took the precaution. He took those measures, but he did do it. Boaz, my five-year-old, whipped off his armbands and lobbed them in the pool. He threw his goggles in, and as I'm fetching his armbands and his goggles, he jumped in. He can't swim. He just sunk to the bottom. But I was there, and I caught him, and I pulled him up to the surface, and we had a lovely swim around. And I think... That's the attitude I want to hold this Advent. Um, that's the attitude I want us to journey along Advent with. Is maybe you're not sure about this. Maybe you feel you're not ready. Maybe you don't know if you've got all the gear. But either way, know that God is there. God is coming. God is intervening. And he's ready to journey through Advent with us. That's what I want us to approach uh, Advent with, with anticipation, with attention, and with application, knowing that God is coming, the light has come, and it is still coming today. Shall we respond? Let's uh, stand and pray. Might help if you close your eyes and uh, hold your hands out as if you're ready to receive a gift. Lord, we thank you for genealogies. Um, we thank you for your story and that we are invited this Advent to be reminded of it and to be a part of it. We pray that you would fill us with a sense of anticipation for the joy that comes at Christmas. We pray that you would draw us in as a community to be attentive to your scripture, to your spirit as you speak to us again. And we pray that it would have application to our life, that we would go out from this place changed by you. To be part of a greater Grimsby because of your presence in us. Amen.